Good evening, one and all. Welcome <laughs> along. It is season four, episode 51. I'm joined by the Scottish Brotherhood tonight. We have Paul, we have Graham, and up in the top right hand corner there, we have Arthur. How are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> them cowboys. Let's go. <laughs> oh, it was great. Even, even though I had a bad day yesterday, including a still game-esque Timpson shoes incident, I still, and then I went to bed and I slept right through and missed it, but I've caught up on the game. It's fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's great to see the comments are flowing in. There were comments in before we even went live this evening. There are comments flowing in from everybody. So as always, folks, get your comments in. Let us know what you thought. Obviously, this is a great victory last night. We've 31-14. As uh, Tim has said, we have finally slayed the Tom Brady dragon. We are 1-0 against Tom Brady. We are undefeated against Tom Brady in the playoffs. How does that feel? Oh, finally, we can actually get away from that stigma now. Not only just that, though, Brian, the fact that we won on the road, we won on the road in the playoff game, I think it was like more than like 30 years or something like that since the last time we did it. 30 years to the day almost, I think Lauren said. Yeah. 29 years, 364 days. If it had been played today, that would be 30 years today. That's crazy. And not only just that, we've got the stigma about the whole wearing the Navy jerseys away from home, et cetera, et cetera. So every one of those things that that they use that is, oh, it's like jinxed and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. we went out and we won. Hands down, we were the better team. Like that two-minute offense in the second half, uh, second quarter was unbelievable. Like what a drive that was from Dak Prescott, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Graham, you're being very reserved. <laughs> so I, 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 I feel like there's an explosion about to come out of you. Graham, Graham still can't get over the fact what happened in the match of the day. <laughs> I, I still can't believe that. This is a family show, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, <clears throat> I just hope we can put the whole Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott thing to bed now. Um, I think we're all fed up hearing that they need to move on from Dak. They need to move on from from Mike McCarthy. Um, yeah. It's. I, I just can't wait until. Um, until Sean Payton gets hired by somebody, because that's that's the alternative to Mick McCarthy. Um, yeah, I don't want. I, I don't want. Uh, I don't want him. No, I, no. No, I mean the his, his much... playoff record is not any better than Mick McCarthy's. Not exactly. Um, yeah, they're, I mean, they're to... much of a they're much of a muchness. McCarthy McCarthy actually surpassed Payton earlier this year, um, and so they've got they've got a similar record. They've both basically done it on the back of big QBs. So Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and you could say Dak's in that group now as well. You know, in the he's got them, it got them over the hump as well. So, um, but I can't. You know, the big, the biggest loss potentially is the fact that we're maybe going to lose Dan Quinn this year um, because I, mm-hmm. I think the Broncos. 
the only reason why the Broncos didn't sign him last year was the whole selling the team thing, and you you want to have an offensive coordinator mm-hmm. step into that role. Um, generally, if you're trying to sell the team, you want it, you want the the offense to be the the selling point of the league. Um, and you know, there unless Dan Quinn decides that you know he is just a, a defensive coordinator, and you know he, he that's his level. Um, or Jerry breaks out the Jerry breaks out the checkbook again, much like he does with my uh, well McClay all the time. You know, I think we're maybe losing Dan Quinn at some point. Um, yeah. Would it would, would be a big loss? But I would say I would say the, the exact same about Eric Bieniemy in Kansas. That, that's um, a, that's yeah. a great example, Graham. Great example. I, I expected. I expected. Be enemy to be a head coach a couple of seasons ago, and then last mm-hmm. season it should it never be happened. a head coach. The thing is, um, like, like Bellamy, Bellamy should be a head head coach right now. He should be coaching someone right now, but he's happy being an OC for Kansas. So yeah. it could be the same factor for Dan Quinn. He maybe just be happy being DC. He knows where his um, gets the best out of players, not as a head coach, but maybe more so as a defensive corner. So he's be more level-headed in terms of he knows what he's better doing that. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the, the other one as well, on the back of the loss last night, um, Byron Lefkowitz, who was, a, who was a name the last couple of years for a head coach, talk is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to fire him. So, um, you know, that that seems to be throwing the bath, uh, throwing the, the, the toys out the pram almost. But um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, let's look. You've kind of started talking about it, um, and Tim has just Tim has a couple of comments. Do we lose our DC and OC now? Mm. And the most important one, those are some awesome hats, by the way. Thank you, Tim. We do appreciate <laughs> you noticing. <laughs> yeah. well, it's not it's not mine, but it's definitely these two guys. That's for sure. Uh, that's right. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, look, I've I, I I've been watching. You know, Good Morning Football. I watched um, Pro Football Talk today, and a lot of the talk from them is obviously you guys have you you've mentioned the point on Dan Quinn. Um, they were also mentioning the point on Kellen Moore, and trying to make light of the fact that um, you know, are their heads going to be fully in the game for San Francisco at the weekend? I mean, I don't think you can question someone's professionalism. They're getting an opportunity to interview for a head coaching role. Well, Why would they not do it? If their heads aren't in the game for the 49ers, maybe that's a reason not to hire them as head coach. Exactly. If you go out out and lose on the road, um, I mean, there are plenty of good head coaches, head coaching candidates still in the playoff fight. There's, Mm -hmm. There's plenty of head coaching candidates that, are now on a beach somewhere in Hawaii. So there's there's no reason to think that just because we beat Tampa Bay doesn't mean that we're going to lose both our offensive coordinators. Whether you want them to go or not is a different story. Um, I think that I, I'm still quite surprised that Kellen Moore is in the conversation. Um, I don't think he shows enough consistency. Yep. Um, <clears throat> our, our, our offense has fallen flat plenty of times this offseason, uh, this entire season. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. Until until you can show consistency week in week out, there are only thirty two head coaching jobs in the world, and uh, unless you can bring it every Sunday, 
I don't know if you're being considered. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, obviously the whole thing is Dan Quinn's Dan Quinn's doing a Zoom call on Friday with Denver, I believe, um, by all by all accounts. Kellen Moore's doing similar with uh, Carolina. You know, th- actually doing a Zoom call is completely different to obviously getting on a flight. You know, it's it. You're maybe on for half an hour to an hour. That you know, that's that's an excusable sort of absence, and it probably helps them in some respects. Takes their mind off takes their mind off what's coming up for for a little bit and actually in some of the discussions as to how you attack you know some of the questions in the interview process might actually cause them to think rethink some things as well for the game plan for this week as well mm-hmm. um no i, no, I, I still, mean th- i still don't like the ability to do that though yeah um yes it's on zoom and yes it can be done in an hour and a half and i get that but it may be my, just my understanding of it, but for the longest time, you weren't allowed to to talk to a coach that was still in the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Now I get why they've got rid of it. I get that a team could could get jumpy and and want to hire somebody straight away, so they've got the month of January to think about the roster. Mm-hmm. But you've got eight months to build your roster. You don't need to jump straight away. Yeah. Um, not just that, Graham. Sorry, sorry to butt in, but not just that. Like, if you're planning bringing in a head coach, and especially for the long term, you do realize that first season is always going to be a rebuilding stage from the ground yeah. up. So, I don't see why there is that pure rush to get them. I mean, I obviously you do want to get your guy, but if you're really that desperate for the guy, then you obviously offer him the money when the season's actually over. So, yeah. this whole interference while teams are still in the playoffs, I just find it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Is it not right that you're not supposed, you're not allowed to talk to your players right now? Something like that. Under the CBA agreement, you're not allowed Mm. to talk to them until a certain point in March, I think it is. Yeah. So you wouldn't even get, like, go and buy yourself Game Pass and watch all the the teams with no no head coach. You don't have to, you don't have to jump in straight away. Yep. I think I think the whole thing is is because literally, you know, after this weekend and after the championship weekend, you got the senior bowl and you're straight into you're straight into the whole um scouting of players and everything like that, and then yeah. you've got to decide what you're doing in free agency. The sooner you can have the, the coaches in place and they, they realize that, you know, having a coach in place brings in the sponsors, brings in, you know, to each team and all that. I think that's why the NFL's done it. And, you know, now that the technology is there that you can do the Zoom calls, you know, it is fairly inobtrusive. It's it's just trying to speed the whole process up so that, you know, you're not going into free agency and you're going, wait a minute, what free agents do we need to hire if, Oh wait a minute! We haven't even got a coach yet, you know. And there's that side of things. So, um, and then obviously, you know, say with Kellen Moore at the moment, the only team that's come to him is Carolina. If if as RJ's um, chart goes, that you know it's one uh, lose one win four lose uh, lose one win two and repeat. You know mm-hmm. we're going to win. We're going to win the next four. You know, if yeah. Carolina have already spoken to him and said, right, okay, you know, we've got the contract in place, you know, 
win the Super Bowl, Kellen Moore's getting four or five other teams contacting him and all that. You know, Carolina have got in now, you know, get it over and done with and then get any speculation out of the way. I mean, I think that's that's the main thing as well. And it also, you know, the the whole thing, if you go back 30 years to the last time we won an away game and all, you, you've got... Um, who was it? North Turner and Dave Wanstead. They were they were all being courted during during the uh, Super Bowl week, the media week, and all that. They were off having the contract talks then with potential new teams. Mm. Um, so get that out of the way as as soon as possible, or make it as unobtrusive as possible. Um, I mean, I'll paint a scenario. <clears throat> what if? Um... What if Dan Quinn shows up to the star on Thursday morning and says he's defence um, to let you know guys I've just signed with the Broncos? If anything, I think... I, I, it takes I, the air right out of the room. It would, but at the same time, I think the players would kind of come together. Yeah. How much they love Dan Quinn, they'll rally up together and say, let's do it for Dan, pretty much. They'll yeah. want, they will want to make sure that Dan gets a ring. Like... It's for for me. It's the I don't know if you guys have seen, but the thirty for thirty about the eighty five Bears and the conversation they had with Buddy Ryan the night before the Super Bowl. Now, I mean, there was no doubt the Bears were going to win, and literally Buddy Ryan broke down in tears in front of them and didn't give them any kind of speech. He just said, "You guys are my heroes." Walked out of the room, and they all knew. So. I don't think Dan Quinn is going to do something like that. If he did, I don't think he'd say anything until the most optimal time. And maybe maybe, maybe it is the most optimal time would be to say it on Saturday or Sunday. Because let's face it, and look, we won't try and get too far ahead of ourselves. Sunday's game could be the most important game we play this season. Mm. I mean, yeah. if, if he wants to say it, Whilst the the blue and silver confetti's falling in Arizona, then that's mm. fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I'm getting. Yeah, just so long as it's blue and silver. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. The, the the other thing I'm just thinking in terms of the Denver position, like they've entered. What well, they they want to talk to Dan Quinn. They want to Jim Harbaugh. They've wanted Sean Payton. Harbaugh's, well, Dan Quinn's interviewing this week. Jim Harbaugh said he's gone back to, to Michigan. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah, yeah, he, he's out. Yeah, yeah. Sean Payton doesn't seem overly enamored with the role. So, I mean, is Dan Quinn really going to want to go into a situation where he knows he has no first round pick this year? He is an aging quarterback who has played, really bad. let's be honest, abysmally. He might know the quarterback. But he's played abysmally and is on the slide. It's yeah. not an ideal situation to go into. It's a hard sell for someone to take that Denver position. Yeah, Obviously, someone yeah. will take it. At the top it. of the show, there's only what? 32 of them. De- to and me, if one comes up. You yeah. have to kind of yeah. see yeah. for me. See for me right now, like the way how Denver is right now, they remind me of what the Rush, uh, Washington were a couple of years ago with the whole RG three trade, like getting rid of all the picks. They, they basically put all their eggs in their basket on one certain player and it's not worked out for them. No. Like, they, always, they thought always, it was going to be the yeah. final piece. 
I think I think I think everybody did because it was a big move. This as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to he's got Jerry Judy there, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And we were like thinking as well, like, but it's really turned out like Russell Wilson just is not playing well at all over there. Yeah. Um, like if you look at Seattle, look what they've done in the draft this I, this year and their offensive line. And not just that, a player that no one thought like would actually have a comeback story in Geno Smith. Mm. Who would have thought that? Yeah. No one. No Pete Carroll looks like a genius. He does. He really <laughs> does. That for that and, and, and fair play to Seattle. Fair play to them. They really kind of... What's that scene from the, the movie dra- draft? I, I imagine their uh, backroom staff is like, frisk them. Frisk them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Face them. Take it all. Uh, <laughs> I mean... And even, even Seattle as well. I mean, Seattle took it to San Francisco this weekend for at least the first half. Yeah, you know, it was a close game, and I mean, I, I think I, I, I kind of, I stayed up for a little bit longer than was expecting to on on the for that game, and um, you know, I thought, I thought, oh, and then all of a sudden it just you know, San Francisco pulled away, but you know, they mm. were in that game until halftime. Um, yeah, you, you know, and the, the job that Pete Carroll's done, I mean, I again, you know, the the whole thing is knowing when you when you get rid of players because they're at the at their peak, um, or, or on the downward trend and get yeah. as much as you can for them. And you know, th- this is the 2000s equivalent of the Herschel Walker trade and what they got out of Denver. I mean, it's... Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, you're, you're, yeah. you're right. Yeah. You're dead right. Um, just a couple of comments there in... Um, so Tim is saying he thinks Sean Payton was holding out for the Dallas job. Maybe maybe so, Tim. But I think, I think, I think, I, I think Graham's nailed it. I think he's already interviewed for the Houston job, so you know he'll, he'll still be staying within state. But um, yeah, the, uh, Mike McCarthy took all the pressure off himself on Sunday night, absolutely eh, on Monday night, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. he will be the head coach in twenty twenty three. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. He certainly it certainly won't be appearing on Dancing with the Stars if you saw a video of him in the locker room. Oh with the man, chain. that. That. I want one of those. I want yeah. one of those. I'm, I'm telling you, that was the way I was walking into my work today. I think nearly everyone, I've, I'm not trying to speak for everyone in Cowboys Nation, but I think that's how everyone walked into work today. Like, just, like struck all like Conor McGregor. It's like, ah, what's happening? You know what no, I mean? no, no. Paul, what? Conor McGregor stole that off Jeff Heath. Ah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but again Eliz- Elizabeth joining in Elizabeth has been a regular recently and she's loving the hats as well so thank you Elizabeth yeah big, so, shout, out to, big shout out to everyone in the comments right now get the comments yeah. coming in guys it's it's a good day it's a good day to be a Cowboys fan it is it is um, so if we look at look let's just go over it again Cowboys won 31-14 at Raymond James Stadium. The attendance was 69,500, or just over 69,000. The capacity of that stadium is 64,500. Yeah, a lot of people are in the standing areas and stuff like that. I mean, we had guys uh, who are good friends at the show that were at the game. There was uh, J-Tuck that was there. And uh, he's now looking to... 
Yeah, he might be going to San Francisco as well and get him over there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I was, I was, I was on to Jay Tuck. I was telling him where to, where to stay and where to go because the only game I've actually been to was in Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. So um, I, I used to have to go over there quite regularly for work. So uh, yeah, I, I, I know the area quite well. So I passed on what bit of information I could to him. Good stuff. But. Again, so, look, Tim's asked the question um, to Mike McCarthy sign through 2025. Okay, yeah, he's going to be our head coach till his end of his contract or he gets renewed. I, I, the way how things are going right now, I don't think there should be any discussion talking about any other head coach right now. McCarthy's here to stay or back to back 12 like 12 wins a season. We've won our first away game in the playoffs in like almost 30 years. We beat the whole stigma, like I mentioned before, but the Navy jerseys. We beat Tom Brady, finally, finally. Yeah. We've actually made it. We're basically sending him on his way to the retirement home right now. And what more can we actually complain about? We can't complain about nothing. Dak balled out, played a fantastic game. Like the only downward spiral you can really mention about the game is obviously the kicking situation, which we'll speak yeah. about later on. Yeah. Yeah. So, gentlemen, just I'm just after seeing something pop up on Twitter. So the Indianapolis Colts have requested an interview with Dan Quinn as well. Mm. So, if if that was a team that could be potentially favourites and more favourable for our head coach, and the Colts probably might yeah. be that one because they. They do have some good PCs of the puzzle there, yeah, already in place. Like Quentin Nelson, the guard. They've got um, Ryan the, Kelly. Yeah, the the, yeah. the running back Jonathan. Um, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Jonathan, Pittman. Jonathan, yeah, know, they, so, they, they they have a good team. Yeah, and they've got a really good linebacker core there as well. So, yeah, um, yeah I think if if for any head coach right now, not just even Dan Quinn, but for any person that's a candidate, I think the coach would probably be your, your best picking the bunch right now because I don't see that many people will be thrilled to go to Houston. I don't see many people being thrilled to go to Denver the way how they situated themselves with the whole Russell Wilson trade, etc. So if anything, the Colts are probably your best team to go for if there is a vacancy yeah. there. Um, I did hear earlier today that Brian Flores apparently is all but signed for the Arizona Cardinals position. Mm. So that's another one of them chopped off the block. Um, so I still think yeah, it's quite so tough though to go from to go from poss possibly the best defense in the league to mm. a team with no quarterback. It's, that's the issue with the Colts. Yeah. Oh, they're they're, 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 they're <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is that they are going to have to draft a quarterback this year or pick up an a uh, free agent or. Or, or trade for someone like they've had to draft a quarterback for the last five years since luck retired they've tried plasters at quarterback yeah, yeah rivers uh matt ryan the, 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 carson the carson Car yeah carson wentz i mean pff, those guys are former first rounders as well don't forget yeah. that as well and it's just not yeah. really worked out, and it, and it maybe just down to the fact that how their offensive scheme just didn't suit the quarterbacks. So, do you remember? Uh, do you remember we heard that chat for the longest time? Don't don't pay Dak the forty million. Just draft a quarterback. Go and ask yeah. the Colts. Well, go and ask the Colts how that's how yeah. that's going. 
Well, <laughs> well. Just draft one. It's as easy as that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, what what was the stat that was doing the round last week? That is it six of the seven quarterbacks in the AFC uh, playoffs were first round picks, and only one of the seven in the NFC was a first round pick. Yep. You know, so if you want to do something in the AFC, you need a first round quarterback. And even at that, it doesn't guarantee anything. As we say, 99% of the quarterbacks who come into this league will never win a Super Bowl. So, yep. you know, buy, buy, buy or beware. But look, we're nearly half an hour into the show and we haven't even gotten into yeah. yep. the news and updates. So here we go. So news and updates, and I mean, I think this was possibly was the most important thing last night. Tyler Biadish, Jonathan Hankins, and Leighton Van Der Esch returned for this game. And what, what an impact. Oh, my goodness. Especially, <laughs> like, well, can I start off with Tyler Biadish? Wow. Yep. Just wow. Like, like, don't get me wrong. He did have a little bit of trouble with Vitavia in that first quarter. But by, but, but, but as the game progressed... Vita Vea was a non-entity in that game. Him, yep. Zach Martin, and even Conor McGovern in the guard position really held him up something massively. And yep. and big props to the offensive line. Big props. Yep. And and I don't I, I don't know I don't know what the stat is, but I think at the top of my head, like it was very, very low pressures all throughout the game. Yep. Like, all the, like all, all, all the pressures pretty much came from that first quarter. It felt like Dak was able to hang in the pocket and choose his moments. And oh, yeah. he was yeah. flawless. And yep. he was given the time to be flawless. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, th- I think the big thing as well, okay, Zeke was held to two point, two point something yards. But, you know, ge- gen- generally it was, um, we were averaging over three yards a carry, which is all you can ask for. Um, you know, Dak was out there running around, um, but not being forced to run around. It was designed runs and everything. Um, other than Vita Vea's sack, that was the only time Dak was in. The, it, Dak went down. Um, you know, yeah, he was hurried a few times, but um, that was when they had to bring the blitz. And, you know, other than that, I mean, Dak, Dak had time to put the ball exactly where it was. I thought it was interesting the first couple of drives that we went three and out on. I think the the game plan had been to give Dak as easy a throw as possible, and unfortunately he, he didn't complete those. But then you know he was making the later on he was making the hard uh, throws, and you know thankfully the receivers actually stepped up and helped him out as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. you know you got you got production out of all the receivers. T. Y. Hilton, Michael Gallup showed up this week as well. I mean yeah. you know taking in high balls. Uh, CD Lamb getting yardage as well, and the the, the schemes were all working as well. I mean that that CD Lamb um, touchdown was an absolute beauty as well with mm. the, just the way it was designed as well to and the way it busted open as well. That was great. So yeah. Um, and I mean I think the the the, the one of the, one of the things we've been saying in the last couple of weeks in these post game shows. And for me, like I was covering, I was covering Twitter for the game against Washington last week. And I mean, it was the lack of any presence in the middle of the defense, you know, with Hankins not being there, obviously, and 
Van Der Esch not being in the middle. Like, Micah is Micah, and you just let Micah do what he needs to do. But Anthony Barr isn't a middle linebacker. He's more of a Sam. Yeah. yeah. So you have to allow him to be there. But, like, we haven't had that presence. And, I mean, when I was looking at pulling up Layton's numbers, top tackler on the team, yep. dropped into coverage and had two passes defended as well. And made some really nice hits in that game yeah. as well. And just to kind of add on top of that as well, I think, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but with LVE and Hankins back in there, we saw Donovan Wilson even amplified his game up in that game as well. Yeah. Yeah. So every player, like every piece of the puzzle really helped complement other players in different aspects of that defense. So we saw Mukwamu had a great game. Wilson had a great day, great game. I mean, Anthony Barr did make some great tackles as well. Yeah. Our, our defensive line uh, did well, um, stopping Fournette. I mean, I think Fournette's um, stats was only 11 yards, 2.2 yards per carry. And, mm. his long, yeah. and his longest was only six yards. I mean, what more can we want? What a difference mm. that was compared to week one. Yeah. That, yeah. like... That's a complete 360. So, yeah. hell yeah. And, like, Paul, as you always say with the defensive side of the ball, it's a chain. If yeah. the guys in the defensive line are not doing their job, pressurizes your linebackers, exactly. pressurizes your secondary in turn. So, it's, everything's all interlinked. It, it, it's all interlinked. It's all yeah. interlinked, man. Like, <clears throat> if you've got one player or one position that is very lacking, then it's, it's going to affect other parts of that defense. And it seems like that game there, nearly every position was on fire. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. not I wouldn't say on fire, but every, everyone was basically had that better communication and understanding. They knew their job, what they had to do, etc. So, yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was just a great performance. Like, I mean... The two touchdowns we gave away, yeah, we kind of we slouched a little bit because, yeah. well, um, and there was a wee bit of a concern, like, are we kind of putting the foot off the gas a little bit here? But an mm. and overall Heinz, overall perspective, we had a great game, defensively and offensively. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the whole, you, you saw with the defensive secondary, the, the tactic had changed. And I talked about this on Thursday night that you needed to play more bump and run coverage and press coverage on these guys because Brady will Brady threw the ball 66 to, or attempted to passes 66 times in that game. They ran 78 plays and they passed 66 times on that, on that yeah. drive uh, or, or on that game. I mean, Brady must, despite the fact that he was getting hurried all the time, Brady will have woken up with a very sore arm this morning just from throwing the ball that much, that many times. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as I said last week, you know, by us, the only time that we actually gave up touchdowns and allowed them to move the ball down the field really was when we went to a sort of money, um, what, what they used to call the sort of money coverage where you actually did play off. When you were up playing, playing in their face, you know that was getting the, those guys rattled because they they would have done all of the game planning, seen that we normally play off, and you know right okay we run five yard slants and that'll be easy and everything like that. But because we were up in their faces, pressing them, that took took away the timing for Brady. Brady was in getting pressurized by 
Parsons had, I think, you know, the stats don't do Parsons credit for what he actually did in that game. And yeah. I mean, that that drive where Brady was driving the ball down, you know, even to get them into first and goal, you know, the wee cheeky uh, run out to the sideline and flip the ball to your running back who's standing down the sideline, get down to the five-yard line. The next play, Micah bats the ball away. The play after that is an interception by Curse. If that if Tampa had scored there, I think we would have been talking a completely different game. The fact that we turned them away, drove down the field, got Dax touchdown on the ground, you know, that just that effectively sealed the game there. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and you know, yeah, they got two touchdowns, but I mean one of them was basically garbage time. Uh, mm-hmm. even though they got even though they got the onside kickback as well. I mean mm-hmm. You know, yes, if there'd been more time left in the game, probably we'd have had a bit of the the, the jiffy belly. But, um, you know, the rest of it, you were you were thinking, well, you know, with two minutes left to go, there's no way can they come back and score three three touchdowns to win, you know? So, <coughs> well, I've, I've just run through the plays um, for Tampa in the second half. The Buccaneers ran the ball five times in the second half the entire second half and that's partly down to our offense because they're going in there at 18 points behind Mm -hmm. so they have to abandon the run if they've got if they've got any chance of catching that back up so i feel like we have to compliment the offense as much as the defense in fact that especially in that first half they they stood on the necks of the buccaneers and did not let go yeah agreed yep and That is what you have to do against a Tom Brady team. You can't give them air. You have to put you have to put your foot down and leave it there and keep stamping. Because if you give him a chance, he will find a way. And they just didn't do it. Speaking about Tom Brady, did anyone see the wee infographic that they did when they were in the red zone saying that Tom Brady was undefeated in terms of putting points on the board in the red zone and stuff like that, and had no turnovers and stuff like that, then within next, the next two plays, he threw the interception. <laughs> on that, and they, they also said that was his first red zone interception as a Buccaneer. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that just shows how, how well it's been going and what a huge effort. Like possessions in the red zone since he'd last thrown an interception. Yeah. And I just have to pick up on this comment here. Tim, I think the word you're looking for is deflated, not degraded. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul, we have, we have, we, we have. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, hey, listen, Kat, you're going to have to be, you need to start wearing your Leighton Van Der Esch jersey now. You need to get rid of that Tom Brady jersey now because that's you no longer a Bucks fan now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, look, let's let let's flip it over, and we do have a bit of a script, so let's 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 talk offense. Yep. We're a bit giddy and all over the place tonight. I think we're just I think we're just enjoying last night. Yeah, <laughs> look, enjoy the moment, lads. Enjoy the moment. Yeah, as look, Graham. Like, I mean, the deflation that was here last week after the Washington game and 
the deflation on Twitter during the Washington game. And everyone was saying, we're one and done, sack Mike McCarthy, get rid of everybody, get rid of the Joneses, get rid of Dak, get rid of Zeke. Everyone has to go. Eight days later. It's what I always say about being a Cowboys fan. It can be frustrating. (laughs) It can be elation. But it's never boring. (laughs) <laughs> I would say, I, I, I'll be honest, I think it's more frustrating we're for ourselves because we've, like, let's be honest, we've got the most diverse fan uh, fans in the world where people are just not happy regardless how well that played or whatever. Not they just want to see the world yeah. burn. And oh, yet, yeah, like even it's... if we win, even if we win the Super Bowl, there'll be some of our fan, own fan base. They'll be like, ah, like just can't like. Grasp with the fact like there would still be uh sorry, I've got a wee advert playing in the background there, but but you get what I mean though. It's just like you'll have mm. fans out there that will be like, ah, yeah, yeah, we won a super Bowl, but why that was terrible. Been, why didn't you go the regular season undefeated then? You know, it just, yeah. just oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Take yeah. Strips off them any opportunity they can. Put um put up a yeah. 40 burger, why is it not a 50 burger? <sighs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, I can understand, like, see for like the games that, like, when you look at the regular season, going back, like, for example, the the Jags game and the Texans game, two prime examples, games that on paper we should have won easily, like on paper we should have had a better team in terms of who we had and the roster, etc. And we didn't, like, even though we did win against the Texans, only just, but like to so the Jacksonville game, mm. ugh, but. But you get what I mean, though, is that I can understand from that fan's perspective. It's like, but we just played so well against the Vikings. Yeah. We had an amazing fourth quarter against the Colts. Why can't we be, and, and it goes back to what you originally said there, Graham, is that consistency. It's the yeah. only thing that we've been saying all season. It's like we just don't have that consistency on this team. Yeah. And if we can just nail that, oh, I would cash in my bloody house mortgage right now for the Super yeah, Bowl right now. It, it can be quite frustrating when they they just go for the obvious targets, the Joneses, McCarthy, or Dak, and sometimes it sometimes it could be none of them. Mm. Um, mistakes can be made on defense, and nobody blames. I don't think anybody blames a particularly defensive player. You know, fair enough. Michael Parsons mm. may not get a sack, or Trayvon Diggs might make make a perfect. Uh, like drop a perfect interception opportunity, yeah. but they don't get nearly as much heat as Dak does. In fairness, though, Graham, two years ago I was very heated about our defense. A bit about well, some, a bit yeah. About... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's be say about that a bit. I'll to yeah. be honest. <laughs> oh god, the flashback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> How, how things yeah. have just completely uh, switched rounds from the, the <laughs> Nolan days. My yeah. goodness. Uh, I missed on Tyree Poe. <laughs> right, come on. Come on. We, we'll leave that in the past. Please. God, please. <laughs> but, I mean, look, I'm going I'm I'm to go straight to Steve's comment here because, look, this was the first point we had written down for our kind of script for tonight. Dak Prescott. Mm. Yeah. It's like I, I mentioned. Mean, like, see, for me, Brian, like we won that game in that two-minute drive in that second quarter. Like that to me showed 
the drive from our whole offense that we were switched on that game. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I can't remember the whole statistics, but it was just the way we were just putting the pressure on that Tampa defense, not giving up any pressures in that second quarter, well, in that two-minute drive. And we just, oh, it, it was just brilliant to watch. Like, I was just sitting there watching the game, just kind of like that, really captivated on my art. Man, it's like, why can't we just play like this every week? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't get, I mean, obviously, obviously in Arizona, it's going to be a completely different story. But yeah. Monday night, nation watching against Captain America and his half dozen or so rings to go and play like that under the spotlight. Uh, it was it was simply incredible. Um, don't, don't forget, Graham, as well. Don't forget uh, like, that the the wide receiving uh, wide receiver cord that Tampa Bay has, that Godwin, Jones, Evans, they've got a really good um, set of weapons for Brady to use, and yeah, you just couldn't yep. do it. And and they even brought back Ryan Jensen back in the game, and he had a lot of good success at at one point, but he quickly faded as the game went on. Yeah, you, you've got you've got to remember also. Well, I was going to say, remember that largely this team is still the team from two years ago that won the Super Bowl as well. Mm-hmm. Give or take, you know, you, you've lost pieces like Gronk and what have you, and obviously the offensive line has been uh, decimated in recent years. But um, generally, you know, the defense is much the same. Um, you know. This wasn't an easy pick a game to play, um, you know. And I think we'd kind of discussed last week again in the pregame show was the was the Redskins, you know. Obviously, Dayball uh, going into week eighteen, Dayball had said, "Oh yeah, we're going to start our starters against the Eagles," and then suddenly came out and played the the backups. I think we'd maybe, in some respects, our offense or our coaching staff had said, "Look, we're probably best." Rather than hosting a, a a game, you know, in the hope that you win the division, rather than hosting the game, let's go to Tampa because Tampa is the most likely, you know, we're we're guaranteed to be going to Tampa. You could have had Aaron, you know, things could have worked out. Could have had Aaron Rodgers coming to to Texas, um, you know, you maybe wouldn't want that, um, you know, and you saw more motion in this game. There was equivalent to um, you didn't see anything like that in the commanders game. I think last week the it was it was twofold. I think it was bad execution by the players last week, but I mm-hmm. think also I think it was a very vanilla game plan that had been put out by the coaching staff, both offensively and defensively. And I think some of that was. You know, generally teams only look at your last four games. And if they look at the last four games, the last four games we basically, after we qualified for the playoffs straight away after losing that game to Jacksonville. Um, you know, yeah, we won against Philadelphia. We won against Tennessee, you know, and we we, we shot the bed against uh, the commanders. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, basically... We didn't really give anything away, and then you come out with a game plan like last night, and it yep. takes yeah your your game your game plan can be perfect on paper, 
but you need the players executing as well. And I think the players executed last night, and that's the main thing as well. Absolutely. I mean, just to add on top of that, I think that, that Washington game is more of a reality check. And it just, and it really woke them the hell. I was like, we cannot play like that going into this game. And now it's playoff football. All things are like if it, all the chips are on the line. It's like there's no next game after that. It's do or yeah. die, and that's it. So and when it comes to playoff football, you need to have that anim anima like that dog mentality. You need to be ruthless, uh, and that's what we did. We went out there, we executed, we stuck to the game plan and we played really really well yep yeah another like, thing i'll say about the dax situation um if you had flipped performances and tom brady had played like dak and the other way around there would have been a meltdown on social media oh God. i didn't i didn't yeah. see the meltdown for tom brady nope um nope. you know like <clears throat> if you're taking it game by game situation season by season situation um I, I don't see all the pitchforks and so on out to get rid of tom brady but oh. if that could turn down the performance like that on monday night mm -hmm. it would have been twitter meltdown oh yeah yeah i mean the, the excuses we're seeing right now is like a uh, lovey is it lovey smith the the head coach todd balls it's like, he shouldn't be the head coach. We're seeing, like, oh, uh, Tom Brady didn't have his offensive line. I'm I'm sorry, but Stack didn't have a a lot of his pieces of offensive yeah. line for a couple of years and still Injuries managed to happen. Injuries, exactly. It's, it's, all part, it, it's, all, it's all part of the game. So yep. you you need to deal with the cards that are dealt right in front of you. You need to make the most of it, and Brady didn't do it. So, yeah. I mean, as 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 we said, look at the impact our three guys returning had. We didn't oh, have them at the end of the season. Absolutely. But just to go back to what you were saying there a minute ago, Paul, you were saying, you know, that we kind of limped into the playoffs. You know, look at last year. We came flying into the playoffs off of two fifty burgers against Washington and against that other team. Yep. And we were destroyed. Yep. Destroyed I've, by halftime. We, I so, think we got yeah, it's like cockiness over 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 yeah. excelled us. Like we got too confident and we paid the price. I mean, I'd rather as of right now, I want all the mainstream media analysts to doubt us. I want every single one of them to put us on the back foot because when we're on the back foot, we seem to bite back. So uh, it, it seems to be what's what's going on because right? nearly every game that we were supposed to lose this season, we came out and absolutely wipe the floor of them mm. so yeah. i'm i'm so they're saying yeah. san francisco are the favorites to win great bring it on that's what that i'm saying bring, bring it on san francisco bring it that's yeah. the impression i get when that when we're underdogs the performance comes out so mm. write us off yeah and if if we make it to if we make it to the championship game and play that team in the northeast then that'll be an even better situation for us yeah um, yep. um, like not to get too far ahead of this show, obviously, we have the pregame show on Thursday. Let's not forget it's a Kyle Shanahan offense against a Dan Quinn defense. Those two guys went to a Super Bowl together, yeah. So they're gonna have to scheme against each other, those guys and, know each other, and there's so, more tape, there's more tape available on Brock Purdy now, and Brock Purdy. Yeah. Has been has been good 
to go yep. for, what is he six six um, and oh now as a starter, including playoffs. Yeah. But you know, there there's little things that are creaking into his game now that you know are, are little tells and things like that. Mm-hmm. Somebody of Dan Quinn's ability should be able to to yeah. to to pick up on these and you know put us in the position. And I think the the whole thing, you know, you know it's bad when Dave Hellman can't actually go on his program and actually say that outright he expects a Cowboys victory, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and obviously, I mean, that, that that probably lit a fire under the Cowboys as well. You know, they'll have seen all the media and, you know, you know that um, Dave Hellman's their, their biggest fan probably in terms of national media. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously there was that clip that we were all um, brought into this morning and, you know, it was like... Uh, you know, he's saying, "Oh well, I can't, I can't guarantee it." You know, I can't guarantee a victory. I don't know what team's going to turn up. Well, mm-hmm. they sure turned up last night. See, yeah. see I, 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 I'm, I was just about to say what Elizabeth just mentioned is to bring Tim's comment back up. So yeah. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember. See that last play playoff game last season with San yeah. Francisco. We had uh, Trent Williams pure and laughing at us, going back into his locker room after the game. I want Tyler Smith to do the exact same thing to the 49ers. Get in their fans and just and just like lay it by. So, uh, revenge is sweet. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't I wouldn't be going into the game thinking of revenge. I would be going into the game thinking about execution and doing things and being consistent. Do the if Bill you can get revenge as well. Lovely. Do the Bill Belichick um, saying, "Do your job." Do, do your job. job. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry, I just did see a comment. I wanted to pull up. It's from DJ Dog. Just on Dak. Look, Dak carried this the team yesterday. Every critic of Dak needs to realize that there's yes. a lot of humble pie needs to be eaten. Yep, that has to be like the the main saying we've we've had a lot this year is humble pie. Like from players that we didn't find that were going to be good for us drafting and stuff like that to um, criticizing from the media and stuff like that. Humble Pie is like pretty much been the quote of the year for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So, and of course, it always helps when your franchise tag turns up in the playoffs. Oh, that, I'm, so, I'm, tell, like, I'm still. Wow. I'm, t- I'm, I'm telling you right now, I still do not see Dalton Schultz coming back. I've got my reasons behind that, but mm. his stock has went up. Like, if yeah. he ha- if he enters the, the free agency market, he'll get offered more money than Jerry will offer him. That's a fact, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I mean was quite he, simply incredible last night. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 contract out the water. I mean, seven catches, 95 yards with an average of 13, 13.6 with two touchdowns and his longest yeah. was 26 yards. That is a good start for a tight end. He dropped really the ball good. once. Yeah. yeah. All game. Eight, eight targets. Yeah. Eight, uh, seven out of eight. Yep. And I, I, I know I put this in. Did you see the block he went to throw on Dak's touchdown? Yes. Yeah, he said he sent the Bucks defensive back rewinding as quick as he could. It was like, and your man just went backwards. No, I'm not going near that. And it was <laughs> it was good to see that Kellen Moore still bitter about that Broncos game because <laughs> it was the yeah. exact same play. 
Yeah. yeah. Let everybody yeah. eat it up the middle. Keep a uh, QB keeper around the corner. Yeah. I have to admit, I was really skeptical going for that in fourth down, and Dad just came, just basically bootlegged it into the in the end zone there. Like I was just like, <laughs> well, I'm 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 certainly going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so <laughs> Troy Aikman, Troy Aikman said the exact same thing. I I would take the three points here, and then <laughs> Dak literally just trundled. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, I mean, look. Again, I know it's a question more for the off season, but Joe Joe is bringing it up. He said, I, "Or sorry, yeah, sorry, Joe here." So Jerry would be an idiot not to sign Schultz. He's a great connection with Dak. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I I yeah. can see it coming back, but I've also seen Dak make a connection with Jake Ferguson. He's my new favorite guy right now, Jake. Yeah, Fer- Fergie, Fergie, Ferguson. <laughs> And GMs around the league have short memories. And if yeah. if Dalton Schultz averages 60, 70 yards a game with a touchdown, one with a couple of drops, they're going to forget about the form in September, mm-hmm. October, November. They're only going to see what happens in January. And um, like you guys are saying, I completely agree. I like the Hendershot and Ferguson options. Um yeah. It would be so tempting just to let them blossom. Yes, the guy had a good game last night, but yeah. so did Dak. And if if mm. if if Schultz isn't his first read, then Lamb might have been his first read, or Michael Gallup might have been his first read, or he could have gone to Ferguson a little bit more. But yeah. Schultz turned it on and he, and he managed it. But that's yeah. not to say somebody else couldn't. I know we're getting a bit carried away, but. Mm. You, you don't hand out 10 million a year contracts on one playoff game. Not yeah, 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 that's true. Just, um, to, just to mention what uh, Tim just mentioned his last comment about the NFC teams there. <laughs> it's like, let's just not remember as well, there was, like, and I'm going to throw credit to the whole division. As much as I, it hates me to do this, but Washington stru- screwed the pitch in this one. There could have been yep. four. The whole division could have been in the playoffs this year. And it just yeah. shows you it's no longer the NFC least, it's now the NFC beast. First time that three teams have made the divisional round from the same division since 97. That's crazy. And that was also the NFC East. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But just kind of going back to that Dalton Schultz chat for a minute. And I mean, look, I don't think he's coming back because we've kind of, uh, I, I said, like, we've CD Lamb. We've Trayvon Diggs, Mike Parsons, all those yeah, deals are coming. Yeah. And another guy we now have to throw into the conversation and just to kind of bring it on to the next section. Tyler Biadish is gonna to have to get a new contract. And and don't forget LVE. LVE as well. Yeah. Yep. Oh, don't worry, we'll get to LVE on the defensive side I as mean, well. I, I mean, over over the cap have already rolled over onto 2023. And you'll yeah. see that we're in a negative we're in a negative position at the moment. We've only got forty three players under contract as well. Mm. So you you got at least ten more you've got to sign, let alone your practice squad as well. And you know that's going to be difficult. Now you're you're hoping that you you'll get you know potentially if we take this as far as we do, you might get a few players retiring and then you can claim their bonuses back and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. 
um, bring yourself under there. But you're going to have some hard decisions to make in the next couple of months anyway, let alone yeah. to, to, to bring in new talent as well. Yeah. So, are you, um, are you guys still seeing the heat for Zeke Elliott's contract? Um, I'm not. I, I don't know how many times on Twitter I commented, um, Zeke will be the starter next season. Because like Lauren says, we're already in minus and we cannot go and afford to eat is it eleven million dollars yeah. to get rid of to get rid of Zekelli. We simply cannot do it. I get Michael um I get Tony Pollard got fifty more yards, but again they're two completely different types of running back as to do two completely different, different types jobs. of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally, there's totally no agree. reason why they can't go out third third round, fourth round, pick up a change of pace back to replace Tony Pollard because I don't know about you guys, but the way he's turning it on just now, I'm resigned to losing Tony Pollard and it's a shame. Yeah. But Zeke Elliott will be the starter of the Dallas <laughs> next I mean, season I'm, without a shadow of doubt. Yeah. Just, yeah, just just to add on top of what you're saying there, Graham, I mean, like Zeke is definitely more developed into that power powerhouse running back. Yeah. Like he's the one that's going to lay down the, the smackdown on the linebackers. He's the one that's going to wear them down, get all those dirty yards, regardless, and it's going to wear the defenses down. I mean, he yeah. put Levante David in his backside for goodness' sake. Like, yeah. like, I mean, who does that? Zeke does. But once once you've actually put your effect with um, Zeke in there, Pollard's there, pick up the pieces, and that, and he makes up the the more um, TV big play type of thing. So, but they all complement each other. It's all complementary football. And I'm sorry, but I'm hearing I'm hearing quite a lot about wrestling now. Um, like I mean, it it reminds me the Zeke and Tony Tony Pollard thing reminds me of the USC Thunder and Lightning, Reggie Bush and Lendale White. You have to have yep. a guy who's a thumper, and then which is Zeke, and then you have to have a guy like Tony Pollard who's just going to go through holes and has that explosion. And I'm not convinced we're going to pick up a running back this year because I think we might have. Our next Tony Pollard in the building already. I, 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 I was just about to say something similar that Malik yeah. Davis seems to be the heir apparent there, you know. So um he's certainly when he he's shown when he's had chances in the in the running game the last couple of weeks as well. So yeah, yeah. And DJ Dog is 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 kind of backing us up there in terms of the Zeke contract, you know, that everyone wants to downgrade Zeke, but I mean, it wasn't two games ago, three games ago that Zeke had ten touch was nine touch nine games and nine touchdowns. Yeah. So that's what I mean. The most for. important thing is putting it in the end zone, and Zeke gets you that. Hmm. I mean, that alone is like people kind of tend to forget about that about Zeke. They really do. Yeah. Um. Graham, talk to us about the O line. I mean, <laughs> I was um, I was I was ready to eat my my September words for dessert um, last night because it was it was almost flawless. Um, I mean that that front seven from the Buccaneers is the main reason why they're in the playoffs. It's not the offense; it's that front seven. 
doing game-winning things and um, I was concerned about Biarish, I was concerned about left tackle um, but the, the addition of Jason Peters the ascendancy of Conor McGovern, of Tyler Biarish um, the pickup of Tyler Smith Tyron Smith has come back at the right time and look as it looks as if he's been there all off season. Um, it's superb, and it's it's it, it just like I said at the start, it's it's given Dak time to feel like he ha- doesn't have he didn't have to force things. He didn't have to. I mean, he did bootleg a couple of times, and he did was it seven seven play uh, seven carries, twenty four yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, it's all part of a of a very well oiled cog that clicked very very well last night. I mean, it it does have. I mean, we're trying. I'm trying to forget about the Redskins game. It does have its down times, but oh, last night it was it was just amazing to watch. Um, yeah, we're in a good place. Um, possibly getting a little bit old in certain areas. They could maybe they could maybe supplement it again. Um, this is a conversation for another time, but mm. it depends if there's going to be a, a, a tackle or a guard at thirty two. Mm-hmm. You see what I did there? Because um, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the question I was going to ask, Because Jason Peters might not be back next year. Conor McGovern, I don't think will be back next year. He's out of really? contract, so. We might have to address the O line again with the first round pick this year. Yeah. Because for me, I think you need to build strength on strength. Absolutely. And the strength of this team is the O line. But I don't know if we're going to have to do it with McGovern. I don't think there's going to be a market for McGovern. Yes, he's playing particularly Mm -hmm. well. It's not not Pro Bowl level, but it's enough. If you yeah. can, if you can get your your cornerstone pieces, your tackle, your centre, Zach Martin obviously is who he is. Mm-hmm. So long as you've not got a, a a kink in the chain, so long as it's it's not going to collapse in certain areas, you've got the, the makings of a good unit. I mean, mm-hmm. can you guys see somebody breaking the bank for? Conor McGovern, I don't know, but no, again, no. I didn't. Well, I didn't see the Dolphins handing out huge money to. They, the they Williams go, that's, either. that's my that's my comeback to there to you. Is we yeah. didn't expect Conor Williams to go elsewhere. Exactly. Um, exactly. You, you you could say the same when um, who was a Jeremy Parnell went off to Jaguars as well a few mm. years back. That you know he signed a massive contract and he was effectively he was a backup for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Until the last last four or five games of that season, um, you know. So it is. There will always be. You know, there is a dearth of quality offensive linemen around the league, mm-hmm. and this is why some of these spring leagues, the USFL, the XFL, don't work. Is that you know the the skill skill players don't get the time to to perform because the offensive lines are generally pretty piss poor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know that's that's why you're you're starting to see some hellish hellishly high contracts for offensive linemen that you you wouldn't yeah. really give a passing grade to. 
Um, I think Conor McGovern will be certainly will be sought after, and I'd I'd probably I think there was talk that we were we were in discussions with him in December. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you I, think I there's enough those... tape on him though? He's not been the starter very long. I think I think there's enough if you get a se- if you get a season's worth of tape and he, you know mm-hmm. he has been healthy this year he's he's not missed anything you've now seen him play in two positions as well you've you know yeah. and he had a fairly good game a uh, the game where uh, McGovern uh, sorry Biadish went out but you know yeah he wasn't great in the again he wasn't great in the uh, commanders game. But you know that's again that's showing tape that you know he can snap the ball and again that's versatility, mm-hmm. um, you know which is something that people are going to pay for as well. So, one uh, to go back to your original question, Brian. That um, I mean, you guys all have noticed it as well. Um, the lack of holding calls mm-hmm. has vastly improved this season, yeah. um, and it's it's. It's paying off just now because, I mean, we all know a holding call can kill a drive. And I couldn't tell you the last, I mean, is it maybe one a game? I don't know. I, 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 I just don't remember many. Well, I mean, penalties in general, This you know, I've been down this year for our team, which, you know, the, we opened the season with eleven penalties in that first Tampa game, and we were all, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you know, Mike McCarthy had expressed this off season that you know we were going to crack down on penalties, and that didn't appear to be the case after week one. I mean, we only gave up we only gave up two penalties yesterday for what was it, fifteen yards? Fifteen yards. Yeah. They they had they had three penalties. I think generally, you know, when you get to the playoffs, generally the you know the calls aren't there. Um, you know the rest tend to let the game play, let the game flow. But um, you know, certainly, you know there was also. I mean, if you go back to Tyler, um, who was it? Travis Frederick once said that the Cowboys' offensive linemen got picked on all the time. You know, the, there seemed to be an unwritten rule within the league that you pick on the Cowboys' offensive line for holding. Um, you know, that seems to thankfully moved away. We don't have that anymore. Um, but, you know, I, I, Joe Philbin has done a great job this year. And again, we, we all went into this off-season. We were saying, you know, Joe Philbin shouldn't have a job. Again, I think he's answered his critics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, this, this offensive line, if we can keep the majority of it together, I think... Brian's right. We do need to invest some top quality talent in in the draft into it. Mm. Um, maybe not your first round pick, but you know if we can get somebody mm. good in the second or third, um, that's yeah. where you're looking at it. Um, I'm, I'm literally just looking at at the the Fanspeak website, which is the one I kind of use for drafting and offensive tackle, guard, center. It's not it's not a great class this year. Now, look as Paul always says. The draft is a lottery. It is. So just because Absolutely. it says it's not a great class doesn't mean you're not going to get 10 future Hall of Famers from this class. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's just how they, they turn out in the pros. 
I'm just going to throw this in there, right? We talked about Conor McGovern just there, right? I'll bring, I want to bring him back, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the reason that I'm saying that is we saw the transformation with Terrence Steele under Duke Manyweather, all right? And we're seeing now McGovern being utilised more in the singular position playing at left guard, and we saw yep. his development go. So what I'm trying to say is, is like, get him signed them for an hour to your contract or whatever, like, mm. and and let's see how his development even continues to grow. Just keep him, keep him at left guard, keep him there. Don't shift them about. That's mm -hmm. it. I think, like, because we saw the transformation with Terrence Steele this season before the injury, and and it's clearly showing that it's the level of consistency with the hard work in the offseason as well. So I think to do that with Conor McGovern and bring him back, I think we might not necessarily need to worry as much. That's just a, a, a wee opinion of mine, but I could be wrong. But I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it could I, be a, a blessing in disguise, really. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you though, Paul. Right? Mm. Because here's the issue: Terence Steele is also not under contract for next year either. Yeah, he's going to have to get so, renewed. He's getting renewed. Yeah, like if you're renewing yeah. Terence Steele, the money is probably not there to get McGovern back as well, especially if you want Biadish who. Has made me eat a lot of crow this year with yeah. his performances. If you want him under contract as well, you have to let McGovern go. There's only limited resources available. As bad as I'm, as bad as as bad as this is going to sound, I'm glad the injury happened to Steele because that because if he was to still playing balls out the way as a, a right right tackle what he's done this whole season. Like mm -hmm. his contract would have been worth even more if we were to try and resign him. So we may actually still have a wee bit of a more of a bargaining chip here when it comes to resigning Terence Steele. Yeah. Like, the, the, other, the other good thing about Steele is Steele's a restricted free agent. So mm -hmm. he's not full free agent. So you can you can levy a a, a simple first, second, or you know, yeah. general tariff on him. You get him for good money. Um try and then you know, it is a one-year deal, but then try and sign him for a couple of years as well as an extension on that, um, you know, and, and do it that way, which is still going to be relatively more cheaper than actually bringing somebody in from outside the organisation. Absolutely. Um, the, the other benefit, is, as Paul says, you know, these guys are working with Duke Manyweather. Duke Manyweather is already working with the, the guys that are going to be turning pro at the moment. So if you watch his Instagram post at the moment, mm -hmm. you get an idea of who's there. If I'm, the one the if I'm one of the Cowboys scouting staff, I'm I'm taking a, I'm taking my lunch break and walking over to Baylor, Scott and White and seeing what's going on in there as well. Um, you know, because that's, that's where they work out. So you see what they're doing and see the progression that these guys are making as well. So you've got... Yeah. Advance, advance scouting on these guys for, you know, because again, again, you go back to the draft this year, and everybody thought we'd we'd made a we were going to be a laughing stock with Tyler Smith. Tyler um, Smith, and, has, and how wrong we are! How wrong we are! Because because we yeah. even we even criticised the pick. We thought, mm -hmm. oh, that, like we even thought Tyler Smith is he really a first round talent? Yes, he is. He is now. Like he's now, he's now just being put into the old rookie team this year. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 
I mean, I'm just the other quote. I can see this here from TJ Dog. He's mentioned um, Matt Waletsko. Oh, obviously, yeah. he's redshirted effectively this season. Josh Ball is still there. Um, he's gone. He, he's he's done. I think. Yeah. Um, and who is the other offensive lineman we drafted in that class with Josh Ball? Name is escaping me at the minute. What from last year? Yeah. Um, good question. Nah, I cannot think. Farney Oak. Farney Oak. Yeah. All right. So there, is, there are guys there, and as I say, you're just gonna have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are going to have to decide what you want to do with those resources. As we say, like if if I'm signing players, for me, Tyler Biadish is my first port call. Yeah. Then I'm moving on to Terrence Steele. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy enough for McGovern to go and play somewhere and see what you have in the three of Farniok, Ball, um, well, let's go. Aviantic Hollands has been hanging around for the last two years on the practice squad. Is there um, something there with that guy? Don't forget Isaac Aracon as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. I yep. think because um, even during a, a preseason, like when we saw the glimpses of him, it's like he does have the potential to actually play in the league, and, and he's shown that. Yep. Even even though he might love the cake, but he can actually throw some pancakes in it, out there in the field. See what I did there. Every line man is entitled to enjoy the cake. Absolutely. I want to try that cake. <laughs> <laughs> I want the cake. So, uh, look, I think I think we've kind of covered off everything in terms of the offensive side of the ball. So, is is there anything else you want to discuss, or shall we move on to the defense? I think I'm pretty good actually because um me, yep. we've, pretty, we've covered pretty much everything. Dad ball mm-hmm. there, Dalton played ball, balls out, CD Lamb looked great, our mm-hmm. running game was um was effective. Like it may not have the biggest stats in the world, but we wore down that Tampa Bay defense. Yeah, we it was just a nice clerical performance from our offense. So yeah, all good. The one thing I will say on the, the O-line conversation. If they move on from Tyler Smith, it frees up nine and a half million in cap space. <laughs> That's ten steel. Yep, Tyler Smith. Tyler, Tyler Smith. I think you mean Tyler. Tyron. Tyron. Did I say Tyler? Tyler. <laughs> yes. Tyler. I was yes, like, Tyler. what? <laughs> yeah. What? What did you say? Tyron Smith for seventeen million. Yeah. So if they move on from him, that's nine and a half to get steel yeah. done. And if, look, again, we're not trying to get too far ahead. If things play out the way we would hope they play out, I think Tyron would quite happily take it and walk away and have his health. I've- I've, honestly, if, if we were to go all the way this year and win the Super Bowl, I think uh, Tyler would be like, oh, yep, yeah, I've I've done what I've set out to do. I don't mm-hmm. have to worry. Uh, I can now focus on my health and uh, move on to different ventures and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah. 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 Start, start working on his speech for Canton. 100%. 
100% he should be doing that. Hey, man, it's like Martin. Yep. Well, Paul, do you want to give the quote from last week? What was it? I forgot. Zach Martin, in nine seasons in the league, has been to the All-Pro eight times. He yeah. has had seven holding penalties in those nine years. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's just a crazy statistic. That it's like for a guy who's been in the league for so long and he's mm-hmm. had more All-Pro nominations and votes and stuff like that than he has holding calls. That is just a crazy statistic. I don't find there's been any other offensive lineman that's had that type of um, pedigree of success. Like, don't get me wrong, like the only thing missing in Zach Martin's uh, trophy room is actually the Super Bowl ring. That's it. Other than yeah. that, he's achieved greatness for the Dallas Cowboys yeah. and within the NFL as, as a whole. Yeah. I mean, the the only comparable player to Zach Martin in the NFL is Quinton Nelson. Yeah, for the Colts, yeah. I, mean, I agree, yeah. I I would move heaven and earth to get Quinton Nelson as our left guard. Oh, can you, can you imagine? Could you imagine? Oh, my yep. goodness. Let's, let's, let's not forget the article that myself, Graham, and Rich wrote up over the summer and how we got... Quentin Nelson in as our left guard. <laughs> I don't know if I did. <laughs> well, you did. <laughs> I'd buy but, that for a dollar. Yeah. But look, we're nearly an hour and 20 minutes into the show. Michael start throwing kittens and canaries at us. So let's talk. Yeah, Mike is going to kill us for another nearly two hour episode at this rate. Yeah. Well, well, we we did we did preempt to this this morning. We did say it was going to be a two hour episode, so Mike yeah. should be ready yeah. for it. Yeah. Hashtag you have been warned. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul, you you alluded to it already. Leighton Van Der Esch, and again, I think there's a guy who deserves a contract. Again, we're talking limited resources, but talk about the impact he had last night. Leighton Van Der Esch has been one of those players that is not making the big plays out there, but he is all over the field. He's there within the trenches, stopping the run and getting dropping back into coverage. Do you, do you did you see how many times he dropped back into coverage, making some really crucial plays? Like two, two. Like he was phenomenal last night. Leighton Vanders deserves a new contract right now. Like, I'm worried right now that the fact that we might end up losing him now because mm-hmm. obviously we gave him that one-year contract. It saved us a lot of money this year, but that might come back to bite, uh, bite, us, bite us for next year. We might end up losing him, but LVE has been playing absolutely fantastic. Like, he's... He's been called the wolf hunter for a reason. He's he's been playing playing like a hungry wolf out there. You've got the line and Michael Parsons, and you've got the actual wolf and Leighton Vanderish. Mm-hmm. You get him, keep him here, make give him an extended contract. I'd like I don't care. Like I want LVE to stay as a Dallas Cowboy. I really yeah. do. And it's it's not just what he does on the field in terms of his own play as well. It's getting players in position, making the little adjustments for them, telling Damone Clark to do this, do that. Yes. You know, we pointed out in the Commanders game that, you know, without LVE 
the Monclark had gone back in the, as a Tampa 2 right. linebacker on a run play, you know, things like that. Tell, picking up the keys. I mean, he has taken on that Sean role, uh, Sean Lee mantle, you know, to get take over this defense. And mm-hmm. by God, you know, he, he ranks up there. I mean, 55, Leroy Jordan, guys like that, you know, Bob Brunig. He is that sort of guy. I think, you know, the only downside on him is his injury history. Yeah. Um, but yeah. by all means, I'd bring him back. Just to add on top of that as well, it's like um, with LVE, like, I was going to say something there I completely forgot. Just a wee brain fart there. But basically, like, uh, yeah, my point is, like, when I was talking about the pieces of the puzzle within the defence, when you've got that one certain player come out, all the other players feel a little bit dysfunctional. When LVE came back in, and Hankins as well, we'll talk about Hankins in a wee moment, but when LVE's in there, we are more organised, all the other players are more in sync, they're more contributing as a unit, like, from, from D-line to linebacker and to secondary. Like, every play, like every player has a role, and it's a it's a connection string within the whole unit of the defense as a whole, and we're seeing that with LVE this year. Like LVE has been pretty much has been holding all the like how would, I don't know how to describe it, but basically he's the guy in the middle, and all the strings are attached to him. So when he's not there, it's a, it's a wee bit more for not chaotic, but there's a bit of a lost for thought, and we saw that against Washington last week. So, whereas this week, when LVE's back, we notice there's everyone seems to be right. Okay, I know what you're doing. I know what this guy's doing. I know what I'm doing. And they stuck to their role. They were doing their job. The whole Bill Belichick speech. I mean, what more can we say? Yep. Graham, give us your thoughts. I mean, he's he's not the flash players as we're saying, but mm-hmm. um, if you can. <laughs> If you can put somebody in there, <laughs> I just got just caught up with that one. <laughs> um, yeah. So for uh, all, all, audio listeners, uh, to be fair to Jalen Smith, he actually played a really good game for the Giants against the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, actually, he looked all right. To be fair, he's not he's not elbow dropping anybody, but he actually played a good game. <laughs> Go on, uh, um, no, just without without Van Der Esch, you're your linebacker core gets very, very young very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, with with the whole contract extension thing, yes, I would like to keep him, but I don't know if I'm going to compete to keep him. Um, mm-hmm. Like, if, if he was to sign another two, three-year extension on the same money, then mm-hmm. absolutely. But are you going to go eight, Nine ten million dollars. I'm not sure. No. Um. And it, again, it all depends on if somebody's taking a shine to him and likes the look of him. Um. Because again, there's there's bigger fish to fry and keep than yep. Leighton Vanderish. But he's playing. He's playing really, really well, and you can notice when he's not on the field. Um. But again, just... he's just he's just one of these off season. Uh, question marks, but right now he he is the difference in the linebacker room. Just to add one more on top of what you're saying, there, Graham. Like 
in terms of LVE, the the like the contract and stuff like that. Yeah, like our team, we have the the best advantage of having LVE right now because we know his medical history more and more detail. If he was to go to some other team, they're going to be very much less informed of the hit, like the more intricate details of the medical records and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we've got advantage. We know how to fix LVE and get him back on the field and get him playing efficiently. If he was to go to another team, he might not be that as effective. Like, I mean, and I keep using this reference right now, like, and he's not injured, but, well, he was, well, yeah, he was actually, is Randy Gregory for the Broncos. Like, we had Gregory's best intentions to try, like, whenever he was on the field, he always played really well. But since he's went to the other team, he's not really been that that player that we were willing to uh, pay stupid money for. So I think in a way for us, we have the advantage of actually giving them probably much more money because teams will kind of still be a wee bit skeptical signing a player with that neck injury and like mm-hmm. uh, that history and stuff like that. But we know our uh, was it Stephen J- Stephen Jones says we we love our guys, we know our guys type of thing, and mm-hmm. it, and, and it's kind of true when you, when you kind of look in that perspective. So the uh, the advantage is on us. The advantage is on LVE to get more money from Dallas than possibly than any other team right now. So yeah, the the Joneses have certainly dodged a bullet with Randy, Randy Gregory. I mean, if if he'd stayed have. in Dallas for that money and turned in those kind of numbers, the the fan base wouldn't have let the Joneses forget it. You know, like yeah. he's just not had. I mean, whether it's a different system, different teammates, different lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's just not suited him or not, I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of Broncos football for obvious reasons, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they've dodged a bullet with that one. Yeah, yeah. And 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 we were so irate about the whole situation when we didn't sign them. But again, it just shows that the front office do really know what they are doing. And I'm now always going to be like, I'm going to like, you're always going to have your automatic responses like why did we not sign them but i'm now going to be in that perspective now where okay right front office has done that i'm going to give it time then kind of see what how it transpires now and as things have transpired as the season go along the front office have got nearly everything spot on from drafting tyler smith letting randy Gregory go letting amari cooper go which i never thought i would ever say that but Mm -hmm. it's true yeah, it, yeah. It really is true. Like I thought we would have struggled without America Cooper, but no, we ha- we haven't. So I just have um another little bit of breaking news in regards to uh dancing with the stars for the US for this upcoming off season. <laughs> uh Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy on the body movement sequence he displayed in the locker room following Monday's playoff win. I was kind of stuck between a break dance and a gritty. Wow. <laughs> I think he did all right picking the breakdance. <laughs> <laughs> if if they beat if they beat the 49ers on Sunday, you can break out the robot for all I care. <laughs> no, no, no. Mike McCarthy has to do the worm if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, but um to go back to the, to go back to Van Der Esch for one more minute, I mean um 
I'm reminded of of Hard Knocks mm. um, and Malcolm Rodriguez undrafted, <laughs> and he finishes he finishes the season as a starter. Um, mm-hmm. So it can be done. It yeah. can be done, and it, from on my opinion, it it's easier to find those kind of non ball position ball skill players. Um, I mean, this Rodriguez came in with. I mean, we've all seen hard knocks. He came in with the effort, won the starters' job from day one. Um, it it would be nice to to find somebody that we didn't feel like we had to compete to keep Van der Esch. I don't. I mean, I don't want to be downhearted on the guy. He's playing really, really well. And if he goes, if somebody wants to offer him ten million dollars to go and play somewhere else, and that's great, and yeah. we we'll wish him all the best. But mm-hmm. I, I, I'm still not competing to keep him. I think we've got, like you said at the start of the show, Brian, we have bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Um, and um, line, the linebacker position, I think, can be massaged mm-hmm. into. Yeah. Like you kind of made, like mentioned there, like uh, there's players later on the draft, and and like we like we keep seeing here, UK Cowboys the draft is a lottery. Like we picked up Damon Clark very late on in the draft, a guy that we never expected to play a single game this season. Came yeah. in and he's, he's actually played some really good football. So what means to say, like for next year's draft or even free agency, players that that didn't want might fit our system a lot better and become yeah. those styles. So, I mean, take Jaron Jaron Kers a couple of years ago. Not many people were chasing after him until we signed them. So, and yeah. don't forget, Devin Harper has redshirted this season. Devin Harper is a very very solid linebacker. Uh, I believe, and look, I'm open to being corrected here. I think he's also uh, an Oklahoma State Pope. Would have played with Malcolm Rodriguez. Yep. Two very good linebackers in tandem. I I'm open to being corrected if anyone knows better on that. But I think I think they did play together at, at Oklahoma State. So there are guys there, as we say, you've Damone Clark, Devin Harper. I still hold out hope that Jabril Cox is going to do something, but it's an uphill struggle for him with those two guys there as well. Yeah, I think Jabril Cox is kind of and that not as a more controversial discussion as Kelvin Joseph is, but mm-hmm. I, I I really am fine. I think it's going to be really hard for Jabril if we were to bring other linebackers in for next year, um, some point in the draft and stuff. I think it's going to be very hard for Jabril to compete against that now. I really do. Um, I really want Jabril to really like be that get that guy why we drafted him. But it's just not. It seems to it seems to really struggle not to get on the field right now, which is just it's a it's a concern. It's a concern. Did he flash at the start? Did he did he play yeah. well at the very start? Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah, and it just kind of derailed, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just just before we just just before you move on, I've got a great question from Elizabeth. I know we're talking about defense yeah. here, but mm-hmm. she just asked us. What do you guys think about Jason Peters becoming part of the coaching staff? I yep. would I would certainly welcome that. I mean, he, the job he has done on Tyler Smith, if mm-hmm. we are talking about going younger in the draft and bringing new guys in, then you, you need somebody like that. Somebody like Mark Colombo from a couple of years ago as well. So, yep. You know, you need that. Um, and then to, to bring it back to the defence as well, the 
and to almost bring it full circle as well, one of the people who could be competing for LVE would be if we lose a certain defensive coordinator to, as a head coach. I'm sure that would be somebody he'd be willing to pick up as well. So that's Possibly. that's a potential landing spot. Possibly. Possibly. Very much so. The other guy who returns on Sunday night, and you can see the stats going through the screen, for defensive tackle, Jonathan Hankins, two tackles, a sack, a tackle for a loss, quarterback hit. Yep. That's not numbers that a defensive tackle normally puts up. Normally, they're just there. Impacted that game. Normally, a guy like John, yeah, normally a guy for Jonathan Hankins, he's there to eat up the blocks. He's there to eat up the blocks, which he did, but he contributed more than that. He he, he put Brady in the back foot, forced him, uh, forced the offensive lineman, put Ryan uh, Ryan Jensen back beyond the line of scrimmage several times in that game. I'd get and and Ryan Jensen's a great player. No question about yeah. it. And Hankins came in and he was oh, what a comeback for him! He couldn't come back in that game. Oh, didn't didn't Jensen get a personal foul? Yes, he, he should have got he should have got two for shoving Michael Parsons. Yep, I, I Jensen got rattled. Yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Jensen probably shouldn't have been playing. I mean, he'd, he'd literally not done anything all season. Was literally activated the day before the game off IR because he's, you know, he's been on IR the whole season. Um, you know, yeah, and you're expecting bad. you're expecting in in your first game back to be all pro or whatever. But you know, it, the, that wasn't going to happen. Um, but the the big thing that Hankins did as well is eating up those blocks. You saw Tampa Bay were trying to do what they did in that first game and run to the outside. Yeah. Put you know, they were they were putting pressure on Diggs and trying to get Diggs to come up and tackle. And Diggs is again proved that he's more of a Deion Sanders type cornerback. He's not going to come up and make tackles unless he really mm -hmm. has to. Um but because Hankins was taking up blocks it was allowing guys like Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons was playing at, at linebacker more often than not. It was allowing mm -hmm. him to get in the backfield and pursue the ball down the line and sweep it up that way. And, you know, that I think it was the, the first play that they ran, they tried that, and Micah Parsons swept down the line, got a tackle for loss because, again, Hankins was taking the double team and the, the, the tackle lost him as well. So... Parsons was all over the field last night. The stats don't necessarily say it, but you, yep. Parsons was back to his best last night. And I think it was because we were playing him in all sorts of positions. We weren't just playing them as a defensive end. We were lining them up. And it was almost a case of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were having to line up and go, you know, it was almost like, where's Wally? That You know, it was, where's Micah? Is he mm -hmm. there? Is he there? Is he there? You know, um, you know you, even RJ picked up on it on Twitter. He said that, um, Parsons finally got one of his holding calls. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. so much. <laughs> no, 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 only just that. No, only just that. He got his revenge on Leonard Fournette. He got his revenge on him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Like, like Fournette, obviously, right after the game in week one, uh, put, posted the whole meme tweet of the Michael Jordan crying meme to Michael Parsons, and um, but you saw like. 
in that play in particular, he was playing in the middle, like he was positioned as the middle linebacker going through that that B gap. I think it was the B, it was either the A gap or B gap, but coming down, down the middle. And uh, and I don't know what Fournette was trying to basically like cut block him and, and Parsons is like, nope, not today. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Yep. And in doing so, effectively shut down the running game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me, let me just read out the stats again for the whole rush Russian team. So 12 carries in total, 52 yards, 4.3 average. Uh, Richard White, 41 yards, 5.9 average, and seven carries. Leonard Fournette, five carries, 11 yards. 11 yeah. yards. They, I think they, they abandoned the run too quickly, the Buccaneers, because they, like yeah. people who don't watch the game know that the big deficit on the Cowboys is the run defence and for, for the Buccaneers to move away from that simply, I mean I don't know if it was purely down to the scoreline but 18 points is quite a mountain to climb mm-hmm. so you, you straight away you think nah they've moved away from the run game but Leonard Fournette was just a, he was a non-entity really wasn't he I mean like five carries and one catch you know that's yeah, yeah. I mean, T. Jacksonville against um, who, uh, the Chargers. Like, Chargers, yeah. Yeah, like you, you saw uh, Peterson kind of more uh, given, um, despite um, uh, Sunshine, uh, Trevor Lawrence, throwing those uh, picks so early on in the game. And oh. uh, yeah, four interceptions in the first half and come back and win the game pretty much all uh, down, uh, like reorganized and got his passing back on point. And they didn't really like very little running the ball so and they were playing catch up throughout that whole game and still managed to go come back and win the game so mm-hmm. um for, for likes of Tampa Bay I think I think they were kind of forced to kind of rely more on Brady in that game yeah like yeah. like because it's it's the playoffs end of the day it's like you're it's one and out you either stay in or you go home but here here's the question uh, like I'm gonna I, I'm gonna throw Danny whoever wants wants to take it. Is that down to coaching? Because Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl. He's a very very capable coach, extremely capable, and he trusted his team mm-hmm. to carry it out. Todd Bowles panicked. It's too conservative, Todd Bowles, and it cost him his job at New York mm-hmm. as well. So. I mean, I get it. He was pretty much the understudy to um, what's his face, Bruce Aaron's and stuff like that. But I, I don't think Todd Bowles is really much of a head coach personally. I don't think like I've got friends that are in her Buccaneers fans. They're not really thrilled about Todd Bowles, etc. But um, I think he was. It just got to the more desperation mode from him. Like it's yeah. like, like Brady, you're a seven-time one of the greats all the time. Please help me try and get me out of this situation, and it didn't. It didn't work. So, yeah. I, th- I, th- I mean, the, the one thing you could say is Tampa. Tampa traditionally this season have been about a seventy percent pass <laughs> uh, <laughs> passing team anyway. So, yeah, they abandoned the run quite quickly in this, but you know that the the stats weren't completely skewed anyway. But I mean, yeah, for Brady to throw sixty six passes. Um, and you you could say that when we were 18 nil up, that was you you're having to come back and try and 
uh, you're having to try and pass yourself back in. But we've seen teams this this year try and run the run the ball against us, um, yeah. you know, and that's because we're we're always looking for the we're always looking to take the take the quarterback down. You know, that's why teams like Chicago have had success against us against uh, on the run. Um, but you know, yeah, I think Tampa just abandoned it straight away, you know. So see that's a great comment from Tim. Like they had the opportunity to go for it in fourth and three. Um I think it was like was it not the was it second half they did that or something? Yep. Yeah. Like, like sorry, uh third quarter you see where the end of the second quarter or the early in the third. I can't remember when it was it was, but they were more than capable of going for it. I, they could have easily gotten those three yards potentially, but Coaching just decided to pull off, and you can see Tom Brady was not happy about it. So, yeah. So the other the other player we had kind of mentioned that we said we we'd give a bit of love to our new boundary corner, our new CB two, Israel Mukwamu. Wow, I still you remember. I, I still remember when he got drafted. He's like, I'm not going to this. I can't remember the word for word what he said, but he basically is mm-hmm. like, he basically did the whole Tom Brady speech when he got drafted for the. To uh, so like, I'm going, I'm, I'm, you're going to be like, you're not going to regret drafting me, pretty much. And mm-hmm. for him, what, what was he a six round draft pick or something like that, Bequamu? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, 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 he's, <clears throat> he's, he's developed. He's, he's, he's developing. Like, don't get me wrong, there's still things in McQuarrie's game he still needs to like really like like tighten up a little bit. But mm-hmm. man, like that game, like he was just off and fantastic. So if he can keep going in that projection, great, yeah. great. I think it was. I think when I was hosting one of the shows, I raised the question: Could McQuarrie do more at corner? And mm-hmm. the answer is absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. Ab- so ab- absolutely. Um, I mean, when when you consider how low par Wright and um, and Joseph have have been, um, yeah. it's it's a pretty crowded safety room. So if you can if you can move to corner and turn on a performance like that in the playoffs, then yeah, mm-hmm. you might find yourself as a starter next year. In fairness, the Sean Wright's had good glimpses himself this season as well. He's had some good stellar performances in certain games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think he, I think him and McQuamu are kind of on the same boat. It's like they've got potential to be proper starters, but I think it's just more of just like keep continuing that development as the, as yeah. time goes on. Yeah, I think I think if if we um, hadn't signed Z- if we hadn't signed Xavier Rhodes earlier in the week, I think you might have seen that um, Nashawn Wright might have been active for this game. He wasn't active last night. He was on the inactives, and I know Mike. Uh, I know you guys were discussing, um, looking back in our chat on the on the yeah. groups that you know you were saying that does this mean that it's their time's done? They're only at the end of year two yeah. for them, so they've still got they've still got another two years on contract. Yeah. Yes, next year's where they need to take the the step up, but they're by no means. Kelvin Joseph has the bigger task to oh, yeah. to, to step up. Um, I, I think Nashawn Wright was getting in. I think you know last week the whole Tyler Coyle experiment, the the uh, Mullen experiment as well. You know that limited the amount of plays that uh, Nashawn Wright was on for. 
and I think that maybe set him back a little. But I mean, give them another option. They've got enough. They've now got things to to work on and understand, get a better understanding in the game. Yeah. Next year's when you really need them to step up and play. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you, Lauren, one hundred percent. Um, I don't think I've ever mentioned the fact I like a bit of safety play. Malik Hooker again has shored up the back end of this defense. Oh my goodness, yeah. Um, and can I just mention Tom Brady as a bit of a scumbag for what he tried to do in that game? Did you notice that he tried to do a two footed yes, challenge? Yes, the sliding kick, yeah. That, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That was a two-footed challenge. Like that, and like so far, friends in the in the states or any way familiar with soccer or football, as we call it, actual football. Sorry, uh, <laughs> like, like a, a two-footed a two challenge is pretty much. Uh, how do you? How would you? It's wild blasphemy. It's, 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 it's wild, reckless, and blasphemy in terms of the sport and integrity. Mm-hmm. Like. Yep. And what Brady did it was shocking. So yeah. I can so I can understand from Brady's perspective he was frustrated, but there was no need for him to do that. He yeah. could have caused serious injury and could have really hurt Malik Hooker by doing that. Yeah, and he didn't even get flagged for that. Nope. You know, you can't even you can't even cover it up by saying, "Oh, he's a quarterback; he doesn't know how to tackle." That was just flat out wrong. Yeah, it's, it's wrong. Okay, what position you play? You can't do that. Yeah. You do not go off your face in a game like that. He's been playing the game long enough. He should know that. Yeah. Yeah. Lebarski has 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 set has wrapped it up perfectly. Brady was running around like a maniac on that play. Someone needs to put the circus music to that clip. Or the Benny or the Benny Hill music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> du, 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 du. Yep. <laughs> So I, I I think that's everything on the the defensive side of the ball, gentlemen. Is it? Yeah, yep. yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, we've we've covered the two um, big positives from the game. Yeah. yeah. So look, we have to allow a little bit of time, and I'd say we're probably going to go over the two hours, and Mike is going to kill us. But we do have to cover special teams and. I'm going to say this personally. I'm absolutely disgusted with the coverage that some of the mainstream media have given Brett Maher today. Yeah. In terms of Good Morning Football, in terms of PFT, and the the, the like, I think it was Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football was saying, you know, he's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's a guy with a family who is trying to make a living. And, yeah, he's bounced about. But Brett Maher was pretty close to an All-Pro this year and a Pro Bowl. Yeah. He missed, yeah. what was it, three, four kicks all se- in, in the regular season. Yeah, three kicks regular One season. One game for us, he kicked a 60-yard field goal that was called back and kicked it again. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It was what was it? It was ninety-two percent on field goal kicks, ninety-four percent extra points, and that includes that includes the Matt Overton uh, first snap that you know nobody was expecting. Um, so you can't even put that on Maher. 
Everybody yeah. has a bad, as, as Dax says, everybody has a bad game. Dax's bad game was against the commanders. Yeah. He mm -hmm. came back and he responded. It's how you respond to, to adversity the next week. And, and, yeah. and Maher Mar did come back. He did get a, a, the extra point at some point. Yeah. Like, like just that little extra bit of confidence. He did manage to get there, but don't get me yeah. wrong. Like, I don't know if it was just because what was at stake in this game. Like, I, I believe that was Maher's pros, first proper playoff game. Am I wrong there? I, I, I probably am wrong. Yeah, like, no, I, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Mm. Yeah, like so, and Alyssa was just it sums up perfectly. He just had a really bad day, just like Dak, and, and yeah. absolutely agreed. Because, um, I mean, Maher has been like we were so critical again with Maher coming into the team, and he's completely made every single one of us eat a humble pie throughout the whole season. And now, um, oh, I'm just seeing the comment here so. The boss is saying, just the guys, see if they're season, they're feeling like Graham in the off season. Wow. I don't know how you feel about that one, Graham. He's joined the show in five minutes. <laughs> he's, he's, managed, he's managed to get a dig out in five minutes. That is, that is once in a lifetime generational talent. <laughs> Basket. Oh, the comments are getting um, every show for everybody. But, I mean, continuing oh, on with Maher, I can understand why a lot of the media outlets are doing it because they're all they're doing is playing up for the haters. Basically, they they can't let the Cowboys have all the credit. A great divisional or a, a great playoff yeah. game. And just leave it at that. It, they'll pick it absolutely anything. Um, it's cheap likes and views, and I get I get why they've done it. Uh, listen, Brett Maher, that'll be water off the duck's back to Brett Maher. Um, I I I wonder if he's seen any of it. To be perfectly honest, because the the Cowboys will have media teams who yeah. yeah just they'll have their look, they'll have their agents controlling the social media keep, as well. Keep the noise out. I mean, do you think Dak goes on social media after every we're, game? We're, I I doubt if Dak sees any of it. Well, that was mentioned. That was mentioned during the broadcast. I think I'm pretty sure Troy Aitman mentioned that. It's like a dad barely he, like he only uses his social media just to do advertisements. Now it yeah, doesn't really it does. it, yeah. it doesn't engage with anybody or anything, and that's the way it should be. It's, yeah. He should be there, just there to kind of promote himself. He shouldn't have to, like, justify himself there to fans or anything like that. So um, I think the, the more better players are off social media, the better, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like Because yeah. if they are so entwined and thinking about what fans are saying, it's just going to mentally break them and they're just they're not going to last long in this league at all. I mean, it's like it's like the year we, we, we drafted Taco Charlton. Yeah. Um, ahead of ahead of TJ Watt, you know the the, the huge headline at, at the end of the season was, oh, the, the Dallas Cowboys could have had TJ Watt at when was it seventeen? And my response to that was, yeah, well, you know what? So could the the other sixteen teams who drafted mm -hmm. ahead of the Cowboys, but yeah. it doesn't make a headline if you go after the Browns at fourteen. You know, you've got to pick. You've got to pick on America's team at seventeen. 
Forget I, about the other 16 teams that drafted ahead of the Cowboys. It's the Cowboys at 17 you have a dig at. Yep. Again, again, Graham, this goes back to our main point when it comes to the draft as a lottery. Like, take like prime example is Dak Prescott. All 32 teams, even ourselves, could have picked him up much earlier on than the fourth round. Much earlier on. Like, if they know what Dak was capable of doing, like, the only thing that made them draw back was obviously off the field at the time when he was still at college, etc. But, hey, like, the, the draft is a lottery. Like, no one would expect, like, we didn't expect Tarpo Sean to end up the way he did, and we didn't expect TJ Watt to end up the way he did in Pittsburgh. No one did. Like, if, if everyone was so sure about it, he would have been a number one overall. Like, it seemed was for Aaron Donald for the Rams. Like, if anyone knew what Aaron, Aaron Donald was capable of doing, he would have been number one overall. Yeah. Yep. Well, and now potentially he's, he's retired now as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a, yeah. a bit of controversy. Like, I, I made the point because this came up, this flew in on Saturday night. Asante Samuel, and we drafted Calvin Joseph. Yeah, I I, 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 tweeted, I tweeted that myself, to be fair. As I made the point, right, two years ago we drafted C.D. Lamb. Justin Jefferson, I believe, was in the same class, wasn't he? Yeah, he was picked after. Oh, it was the one after. Well, I mean, no, 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 no. He was like four or five picks after us. Yeah. But you don't hear anyone saying anything about the fact we didn't draft Justin Jefferson over C.D. Lamb. You yep. know, so I mean, it is a lottery. You can't pick at every single pick that the Cowboys make. You could go back ad infinitum. As I as I, I kind of said it to you guys, that the Tony Dorsett pick, one of the picks we traded away resulted in Joe Montana going to the 49ers. You don't know what you're giving up. I always, I always go back to the the original. the the guy The guy with seven Super Bowl rings was undrafted. Well, you know, uh, no, no, he was one hundred ninety nine. Oh, one hundred ninety nine. Like, yeah. Last pick. You know, like <laughs> one hundred ninety eight opportunities went before Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, like. <laughs> Like Mister Irrelevant is still in is starting in the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Brock, Brock Purdy, who we're going to be playing up against on this Sunday, um, is playing some really good football for the Forty Niners. Who might actually re- might actually replace Jimmy G and Trey Lance as the future? Who knows? So yeah. it just show again. It just shows. It's like you can st- you could be. A, a player from a smaller school and still be a star. It just really depends on the work and effort you put in, and not everything is always assured. Being a first round draft pick, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing. And he might have Tom Brady in his quarterback room next year. Well, I, I mean, the other thing as well, you go back to the CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson. The other ones that were coming out that year that you were, you know, everybody was high on was Rugs, Jerry Judy. Ruggs is yep. now sitting sitting at the well sitting in jail at the moment. Um, yeah. Judy Judy's been out of form. Didn't didn't take to Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett's offensive game plan. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's all to do with the situation you're in more than anything else, and it, that's what makes it a crapshoot. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, but to, to get back to to get back to Maher. Um, 
no doubt he Maher earned us a couple of wins yep. during the season. And um no one will feel worse about it than he will. And I know oh, I know well, Dak, I, I know yeah. Dak was was fired up on the on the sideline, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you saw it on the field. I mean, the, the camera the camera doesn't tell lies. It zoomed it zoomed in right in on his face because it wanted to get in his, in, in his face. And you know, I thought I, was, I thought that was a, I, I thought I was, it was very dis, if I thought in a way I thought it was quite distasteful from the the broadcasting um, mm. crew to do that. I thought that was pretty bad personally because. Yeah. I mean, it's you, you know, like as a player, like when you make a bad miss or make a bad play, you're going to feel crap about it and you're trying to think about the next one. But when you're getting national TV and broadcast and the next thing, you're going to get bombarded on social media. And that you're 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 going to have that in the back of your mind, and it's, and it obviously must have played a massive factor in it as he obviously missed. Was it four field goals? Sorry, four uh, four extra points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, so, but he did make one, though. He did make one. He did. He yeah. redeemed himself. He came back. It was the last one. Uh, the last one. Sorry. Um, he came back and still managed to make it. So he managed to get himself back into, like, get his mind straight and get back into it and actually executing. So as long as long as he can continue to uh, continue to learn from that and move on, I'm okay with it. As long as we can, as, uh, I'm okay with it. I've seen a couple of comments, you know, that the, the 49ers game could be decided by a field goal. And I wanted to write back, but I thought, no, nah, these guys are fired. I'm just going to leave it. The 49ers game could be decided by a whole list of missed opportunities. It's yeah. not just down to Brent Maher. Yeah. 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 Absolutely agree. Um, like, I think the, 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 the most encouraging thing was. Last night, Brett Maher came out and took accountability for what happened. He didn't try and hide. He didn't go and put himself in the corner. He came out and said, it's on me. I'm taking the blame here, and I will work on this. And that's what he needs is the team to get around him this week and just boost his confidence, boost him up a little bit, help him through it. Because I I, I think I saw... Um, I don't know if it was Bobby Belt, if it was Michael Gelkin, say on Twitter last night that he kicked 15 to 17 field goals in, in the warm ups. Yeah, I think, I, I, think, I, think it was, I think it was Bob because he was actually on yeah. the sideline. So, yeah, he, so maybe I, I, 58, yeah. 62 were the only misses he had. Yeah, so, shout, out to, shout out to Bobby Belt, man. Guy's a legend. Yeah. 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 But look, we have gone for two hours. Mike is going to kill us, so let's wrap it up <laughs> and go home. So I will throw it over. Paul, do the shout yeah. out. Yes, guys, if you're planning going to a Dallas Cowboys game next season, be sure to go with Cowboys Experience for meet and greets, stadium tours, game tickets, the ultimate tailgating experience, and much, much more. Get to meet players like a Drew Pearson, Micah Parsons, Jay Novacek, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, and many, many more. And when we do say these guys will treat you like you absolute royalty, we mean that. Me and Jamie and a few of the other guys have used Cowboys experience in the past, and honestly, they're literally like family to us. So, And we're honoured to have them sponsor our show. So, guys, be sure to go to cowboysexperience.com 
and take full use of our uh, pa- uh, discount code of UK Cowboys. And guys, what do you use uh, get when you use the discount code? You free get stuff. free stuff. You get free and stuff. And chocolate pudding. And chocolate pudding. <laughs> Norn, give a shout out to our fellow our fellow friends. Yeah, so make sure you check out these guys on our Ring of Honor. Um, whether it's talking cowboys, hanging with the boys, blogging the boys with our own Paul and Meg Murray, um, Jeff Cavanaugh, uh, Law Nation, J Tuck, Pixic Sports, uh, Skywalker Steel, Katie's Funhouse, you know, just go and listen to these guys. You know, I, I'm constantly listening to all of these podcasts every day. Um, I'm now up to double speed to listen to half of them. So. <laughs> and honestly, guys, listen to these guys more than you do the mainstream media because you're going to get more proper analysis, more in-depth talks about our team than you will actually get in the mainstream media. So follow your Dallas Cowboys content creators, guys. You yeah. won't be disappointed. Graham, give us the final shout-out for the big event of 2023 outside of the Super Bowl. So if you're looking to go to the 2022 Super Bowl, (laughs) Um, if you're looking to go and see our Dallas Cowboys in the great state of Texas, make sure you keep your eye out for the Dallas 2023 travel package, which we're working on with Dallas Cowboys, uh, uh, sorry, Cowboys Experience. Uh, make sure you join the Facebook group to be to know about it first. Uh, it's game tickets, tours, meet and greets, and there'll be one or two extras thrown in there. We're not quite confirmed just yet, but make sure you get yourself sorted if you are going to a game next year to see the Super Bowl. I mean, sorry, uh, the the Dallas Cowboy uh, experience. Um, it will be absolutely superb. And just. And just, to mention, and just to mention as well, just a big shout to everybody that's in the chat right now. You've got Joe from Italy and yeah. likes and likes the interaction on Twitter last night. We had the guys from uh, the Cowboys fans from Germany, from Spain and stuff, etc. all interacting yeah. all across Twitter as well. So big shout to not only just uh, people within the UK, but all Cowboys fans across the world. So this is why we keep saying it's not just America's team, it is the world's team. Yeah. And I'm going to give a shout out to everyone in Ireland. There's only one or two of us. <laughs> That's more than that, my friend. That's more than that. But great, Graham. The most important thing about the uh, the travel package. Who's the most important meet and greet that these people are going to have? Well, I was going to say the Vince Lombardi Trophy, but that's up to you guys. Well, it's up well because we're all going. We're all going, guys. So, like, so we'll keep you up to date. What game we're planning going to? You want to come back if you're in the states, and you want to come come back and hang out with us? And great. And I don't know why you're playing this tranquil music all of a sudden. What the hell is that for? I feel like I'm going to sleep. It's time for all of us to go asleep. It is past 11 o'clock here in the UK and Ireland. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> oh, it is a good night for me. Thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely saying my lullabies right now. Night. <laughs> night. Night, guys. See you guys Thursday for the pregame show. See you Thursday. We do realise we've got one more game left to play, at least. <laughs>